join us right after church. All right, so here's where we're going today. Pigs and pearls. There's this really kind of obscure scripture found in Matthew 7, 6. Jesus says this. He says, don't give to dogs what is holy and do not give your pearls to pigs or do not cast your pearls before the swine. And I guess the best way to describe this is to give you an illustration. When I was a kid, I traded baseball cards. Maybe some of you guys did comic books or maybe it was Barbies or My Little Pony. I don't know what you did. But in baseball cards, trading them, I found that there were some kids up the street that were four or five years older than me and they always wanted to trade baseball cards with me. Now as an adult, I look back at that and that is a big bright red flag. I thought I was cool. I thought I had cool baseball cards. What I found was is that they had this little price guide for the value of what the baseball cards were worth, which is called the Beckett Guide. They had access to something I didn't have access to, and I was trading them cards that were worth lots of money for cards in return that were worth pennies, right? I'm trading a Pete Rose rookie card worth 500 bucks for an Andre Dawson card worth 50 cents, right? And, and, and they always wanted to trade cards. They were always excited to meet up. And then somebody got smart and got himself a Beckett guide. Come on, somebody. Yeah, baby. And I got that guide. And then I figured out, okay, no more getting ripped off. So what does that look like in the illustration? My baseball cards were the pearls. They were things that were worth value. They were expensive. They carried weight and value. But I was giving them to pigs. I was giving them to people that were ripping me off. That were, that were taking my pearls. And I don't know about you, but I know somebody in here that has got a pig in their life that's tried to rip off something valuable, that's tried to say, no, that'll never happen. They'll try to say, no, 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 you've talked about it, but you'll never get around to doing it. You'll never graduate. You'll never get the job. You'll never buy the house. You'll never get, achieve the call of God in your life. That's how pigs talk. And the Bible says that we're not allowed to give our pearls to people and thinking and mindsets and mentalities that would decrease the value of what God calls valuable. Everybody say pigs and pearls. So that's what we're going to identify today is we're talking about the pearl of nourishment today from the scripture. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 34, the pearl of nourishment. John 4, 34, Jesus is speaking. Let me give you a little setup here. He's just gotten done speaking to this woman at a well. She's far away from people. She's isolated from people. She has kind of a rocky history with relationships. She's the type of person that nobody seeks out for relationship, but we see Jesus is so awesome. He seeks those that are isolated. When people run from him, he runs to them. When people try to get away from him, he still approaches them. And Jesus has found this woman and he begins to nourish her and speak words of life to her. And his disciples come back with uh, pizza from Pizza Hut. And they got lunch and they're getting ready to give Jesus some food. And, and Jesus says something to them and it's gonna be the basis of the pearl that we're gonna discover this morning. He says this in John chapter Four, verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. My nourishment, New Living Translation says, is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you have nourishment for every single one of us today. I pray that every single one of us would leave today so inspired, so healthy, so full of life, so full of God, that we would go out into the world and make a difference. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen. Growing up, my favorite day of the week was Sunday. No, it was not because we went to church on Sunday. It was because of what happened after church 
if I didn't get kicked out of kids church. Everyone follow me on that. I was one of those unruly kids, right? That, you know, your, your parents' name would come up on the screen, go get your kid. I was that kid. Yeah. And, and so mom and dad worked out this deal that if Mark behaved and didn't get kicked out of kids' church and they weren't embarrassingly taken out of church to come grab me, that they would take me to heaven on earth. It was called Jim's Rib Haven. And it was just this grease pit down the road, in the hood. On Sundays, there would be a line out the block, around the block, people waiting to get their ribs. Now, I want you to know that there is something that you can know about ribs so that you know whether it's a good establishment or it's not even worth your time. If you go to a good rib joint, a good rib shack, number one, they will smoke their ribs. Can all the men say hallelujah? Number two, what they will do at a good rib shack is they will give you no sides, but butter and bread. And the butter and bread is the lop up all the sauce that comes off the ribs while you consume them. So what we would do after church, if Mark didn't get kicked out, we would go to Jim's Rib Haven. I called it Jim's Rib Heaven, because that's what it tasted like. And we'd get ribs, we'd get a couple slabs, we'd go home, and we would consume those ribs. And when we would consume those ribs, man, I would feel so nourished. I'd want to play football all day long. I'd want to tackle. I'd want to hit. I, 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 I would just get so pumped. I felt so alive. I would even do yard work without being asked. I was a help around the house because I had so much energy. I had been so well nourished. You know, there's a meal that you can have where you feel like you want to go to sleep. And then there's a meal that you can have where you feel alive. And what Jesus is talking about is there is a nourishment that comes to every single one of us when we do the will of God. And that's what he's talking about. You know that it's not enough to be nourished just to know the will of God. I can know that it's God's will to heal me, but that doesn't mean that that's going to nourish me. I can can know that it's God's will for me to give, but if I don't do it, I'm not going to miss out on the nourishment that comes from it. And so what we have to realize is not only as followers of Christ do we need to know the will of God, but we actually need to do the will of God. Right? So it's not enough for me to know that when someone hurts me, I should forgive. I actually have to forgive. Right? It's like me going to the gym. I'd love to go into the gym and just sit on a box and watch everybody else sweat. That'd be really awesome if that got me fit. Too bad that doesn't work. Right? I wish it did. Right? I'd be a lot more fit. So this is what Jesus is speaking about is he wants us to be nourished and then he shows us the key to the nourishment from the scripture. And what he's doing right now is he's meeting this woman that nobody else wants to meet with, and he's speaking words of life into her so that she can be changed. Now, when we think about nourishment, we don't connect the dots. We think the way that we're nourished is by coming to church. Well, if I just come to church, I'll be, I'll be healthy and happy, and, and all good things will happen in my life. Everything will pop up petunias and turn up tulips right? If I, just, if I just pray more, if I just read my Bible more, if I, just, if I just do more, then I will be more nourished. But that's actually not at all what Jesus is talking about. What Jesus is talking about is he's talking about the way that you get nourished is by doing the will of God. And in context, what he's talking about, the will of God is you meeting the needs of other people. Wait, preacher, you mean to tell me to get my needs met? I need to meet other people's needs? Yes, that's exactly what this preacher is telling you this morning. 
is the way that you get nourished isn't by reading your Bible more, praying more, coming to church more, meditating on the Bible more, going to conferences, listening to podcasts. All those things are great. All those things can refresh you. All those things can grow you. But there's no replacement for the nourishment of rolling up your sleeves and getting dirty in other people's lives that don't know Christ. And that's the nourishment that Jesus is talking about. Is he saying the only way that we're going to be nourished is by getting outside of us and beginning to see and recognize the needs of hurting broken people and simply loving them and meeting their needs and ministering to their needs. And in return, we're going to feel strong. We're going to feel healthy. We're going to feel alive. We're going to feel fulfilled. And we're going to have progress in our walk with God. Touch your neighbor said that he's talking about nourishment. So it's simply meeting the needs of other people. Now, it's really interesting. There's th- this word nourishment in John 4 is the Greek word broma. Everyone say broma. Come on, roll that R like it's your J-O-B. Broma. There we go. All right, we got some Greeks in the house. Beautiful. This word broma actually means meat. And later on, Paul teaches the church at Corinth. He says, hey, you guys are drinking milk like infants in Christ when you should be eating meat. What's he talking about? He's saying, hey, you guys are here and you should be here. Here, it's all about you receiving. Here, it's all about you giving. I've heard people say, well, I can't go to church there because the teaching is too deep. And I said, well, how is your obedience? How deep is that? Because it's not about the depth of the teaching. It's about the depth of you ministering to the needs of hurting broken people. That's depth. There's no such thing as deep teaching. The depth is you actually getting out there and getting your hands dirty and loving people. That's what communicates depth, not how many hermeneutical, philosophical, theological words we can translate and talk about the apocalypse and everything else. That's not depth. Depth is you having your heart transformed by the gospel of grace that then causes you to go to people that you would never go to and care about their needs the same way you care about your needs. That's deep. Touch somebody say, that's deep. In fact, touch five people and tell them that's deep. Because everybody needs to know that's what deep is. Deep isn't a bunch of head knowledge. Deep is a bunch of heart transformation that leads to people coming to Christ. And you know what? I think lost people are confused by church people. They're like, man, you know, they're always inviting me to church. It's so annoying. Just leave me alone. Man, I, you won't even give me a ride to work, but you'll invite me to church. Man, I need, a, I need a coffee some morning just so I'm alive and wake for work and haven't been invited to one of those. You eat all the donuts in the break room and then invite me to church. Let's talk about the needs of the people in your life. How about somebody that's lonely? How do you meet that need? You ring them up. Hey, let's go hang out. Hey, let's go grab dinner. What do you do for a lonely person? You get close to them. That's how you meet that need. Some of us are so frustrated, we've invited billions of people to church and nobody's come because we're trying to ask for somebody to do something without touching their heart. People could care less about how much you know until they know how much you care. The moment they know that you care about them and about what's going on in their world and that you know them well enough to know their need and you're interested in meeting their need, now all of a sudden there's someone that's going to be interested in church. Why? Because you've taken the time to get to know them. 
How about the person that's in financial trouble? How about you buy them a meal? Get them an ice cream cone. Cheer them up. Do something. Right? You don't have to lend them money. You don't have to give them financial advice. You don't have to slip them a book. Although if you are, give them The Blessed Life. It's a great book. But someone in trouble, you help. Jesus' mission in life was to seek and save the lost. Search and rescue. That's what he did. Guess whose calling that is? That's our calling. This is what we're called to. We get the privilege and honor to help other people. That's the most adventurous, exciting, thrilling, cutting edge thing you will ever do with your life. Is reach out and meet the needs of other people. What do you do for the guy that's depressed? On, on all the meds, seeing the psychiatrist, nothing's working. How about you just encourage him? Hey, man, God's good. God wants to help you. God wants to do something in your life. Hey, he wants to get rid of the depression. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Hey, come on to church with me, man. I feel like God's going to take that depression right off you. We see it happen every Sunday at C3 Church. Come on out. That's ministering to the need of a hurting person. How about the person that's bitter? Just mad at the world, just angry, frustrated. Sometimes they take it out on you. How about you lead them on how to locate the source of the bitterness and teach them how to forgive? Share your story about how you were bitter, how God rescued you from that bitterness by letting go and forgiving. You know what unforgiveness does? All it does is forgive. All it does is infect the person that won't forgive. That's what bitterness is. It's the symptom of infection of the person that won't let it go. How about the people in your life that are just full of fear? They're scared. They don't need you to preach at them, and they don't need you to invite them to church. What they need is they need you to bring faith into their world and love into their world because perfect love casts out all fear. The moment they start feeling loved by you, the fear will leave them. This is how you minister to the needs of people. It's not hard. It's actually really easy. It's actually the most natural thing to do as a follower of Christ. And you know what? That's where all the nourishment is. That's where all the fun is. That's where the meat is. Early on, it's all about you getting your needs met. But as you grow up, it's really all about other people. It's not about us at all. It's about other people finding Christ. It's about other people getting to know God. You know, if it wasn't for a friend of mine in college, I wouldn't be here this morning. I was a freshman in college. I was partying my brains out. I'd grown up in church. The moment I got away from my parents and I couldn't get caught, I did everything I shouldn't have done. I wasn't happy. I was actually empty. I was unfulfilled. I was frustrated. And I couldn't even enjoy my sin because God wouldn't let me. I'm like, leave me alone. Let me sin and enjoy it. He's like, it's not enjoyable. And I had this this friend, and I just said to him, it's like, dude, man, I'm having the hardest time. I'm getting pulled into the world. I don't want to go back there. I don't want to go back to the drugs and the parties and the girls. I don't want that. But I keep going back to that even though I don't want that. I need help. And he just said to me, he goes, well, why don't we just start hanging out on Friday nights? Let's just hang out. Let's just go play ball. Let's just go grab something to eat. I'm like, would you do that? I felt like a total loser. Like, will you be my friend? <laughs> but I had to humble myself to get to that place. And he's like, yes, I will. <laughs> and we just started hanging out on Friday nights. Well, it wasn't long, four or five weeks, and all of a sudden there was three or four of us, and then five to ten of us. And then we started this little college group that reached 100 kids. All these kids started coming to Christ. I had such a distaste for the world, I never went back there. The only way I went back is to bring people out with me into the land of the living where there's fulfillment and refreshing and nourishment and peace and hope and love. 
But if it wasn't for that, that, that young guy, that pastor, if it wasn't for him just simply making himself available on a Friday night, is that really how easy it is? Absolutely. And when we meet the needs of all these people that God puts in our life, that's where all the fulfillment and the refreshing and the joy comes from. That nourishment. Now, all the things we do in church are good. They can help us grow. They can help us become more like Christ. All those things are great. But there's a certain nourishment, a certain protein, a certain, I'm going to go CrossFit on you, a certain mineral, a certain nutrition that can only come into your diet by getting out with broken and hurting people. You ever been on a missions trip before? Let me tell you the American way on a missions trip. I'm going to go to that third world nation and I'm going to bless them and I'm going to help them and I'm going to build that orphanage and I'm going to preach the gospel in Jesus' name and it's going to be a revival. And then you get down there on that missions trip and you're sweating with these people and you see that they have way less than you but way more than you. Why do they have nothing but yet it seems like they have everything? Why are they so happy? I'm mad because I don't have air conditioning and I've got mosquitoes bigger than my face. They're not upset about that. They're, why are they happy and I'm not? And what, you, what happens is you go down there and get way more than what you gave. Because every time you go, you set out, like Jesus, to meet the needs of lost, broken, hurting people. You get refreshed. You get nourished. You get encouraged. You get filled. Come on, let's give him a hand for that. I'm so glad he does it like that. You know, now, here's the thing that we got to see. When you're nourished, here's what happens. When you're nourished, you see the need of other people. When you're not nourished, you don't see anybody's needs but you. All you think about is me, myself, and I. Gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. But when you begin to nourish other people, you'll begin to see, oh, my gosh, there's these needs all over the place. I had no idea they were there, but they're everywhere. What happens is when you get nourished, you begin to see the need. When you get nourished, you go the extra mile. Jesus, in this text, walked a whole day out of his way. I said a day. I'm not talking about a block to get somebody a coffee. I'm talking about he walked an entire day out of his way to get Samaria, which wasn't even on his route home, in order to meet this woman at a well. He went way out of his way. What happens is when you begin to get nourished and you begin to get in the lives of broken and hurting people, guess what happens? You'll go the extra mile. You won't see it as an inconvenience. You'll actually see it as an opportunity. You'll see it as a privilege. You'll see it as an honor. You won't say, oh, you won't come up with a million reasons why you can't do that. You'll come up with a million reasons why you can do that. That's the sign that you're nourished. You're no longer inconvenienced by needy people. You're blessed by needy people. That's the sign that you're healthy and alive and well-nourished. Now, it's a totally different story when you're malnourished. I did a little research this week on, uh, on the symptoms of malnourishment. But before we do that, I'm going to play a quick video. We have that video, guys? Just not if we've got it. Yeah, we do. Check out this video real quick about malnourishment. Can we turn the AC up? I'm dying back here. It's on. Can't you feel it? Can you feel that? Oh. <laughs> Jeff, eat a Snickers. Please. Why? Every time you get hungry, you turn into a diva. Just eat it so Ooh, we can all coexist. Turn in into here. a diva. Mm -hmm. Then your system great pants. Okay. Thank you. Better? Better. Will you get your knees out of the back of my seat? <laughs> you're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Wait about three minutes, 27. 
So when you're malnourished, you become someone you're not, right? How many, that's ever happened, right? In your car, right? Anybody did a little summer road trip this year? Are we there yet? Right? We hear that from all the kids. Have you ever noticed, are we there yet? Always comes out nasally. Are we there yet? I mean, we hear from, we haven't even left the drive, but are we there yet? Right? And this is what happens when you're malnourished. When you're malnourished, you become someone that you're not. I, just, I got some symptoms for you on malnourishment. Number one, when you're malnourished, you're more susceptible to getting sick and diseased. Wow. Woo. When you're malnourished, guess what? That disease of disappointment is going to get you. But when you're in the lives of other people that have way more reason to be disappointed than you, you're not going to get sick. You're going to build up an immunity to the spiritual forces of darkness. How about when you're malnourished, you're moody? I just saw someone look at their neighbor real quick. Just, you're moody. How about this? You're tired. What, what you used to be able to carry and do with no problem, now you're huffing and puffing. You can barely do it. Everything's hard. Everything's difficult. You're tired when you're malnourished. How about you're depressed? People that are malnourished, huge high percentage of correlation with depression. It's just dark. It's lonely. It's difficult. How about loss of appetite? Man, I used to read my Bible and loved it, couldn't get enough. Now I haven't picked it up in weeks. Yeah, church, yeah, it's okay. I mean, it was great about six months ago, but I don't really know where it's at now. And what's interesting about the malnourishment thing is usually what we do is we always point fingers. Ah, yeah. oh, the preacher wasn't any good. Ah, oh, worship was kind of flat. Monica didn't jump enough today. <laughs> yeah, kids' ministry was okay. I mean, it was all right, you know? I asked the kids if they remember the memory verse. They didn't, but... You know, and what we do is like we begin to point and blame and and really has nothing to do with anything but us and us not being where we are created to be, which is in the harvest field, which is where all the fun and excitement is, is meeting the needs of other people. And I can guarantee you the moment you begin to see the needs of the people in your life and the moment you begin to step towards those and take interest in them, you will see a completely different response when you invite someone to come with you to church. Number one, they're going to say yes. Number two, they're going to keep on coming. And we've got to lift our level of faith, church, where we're not just thinking that we've done a good service by inviting. No, no, no. We're going to invite, we're going to bring, and when they come, they're going to give their life to Christ, they're going to get planted, and they're going to become a follower of Jesus. That's where our faith and our expectation has got to be. You know, up, up in Green Valley, we've seen over 10 salvations in the last three weeks. We've seen over 25 new people come, and it's when all of us got serious about this message right here. There's all these people in my life that I'm making excuses for instead of meeting the needs of. And the moment I start meeting their needs is when everything happens. All right, malnourishment, I'm almost finished. This is a big one right here. When you're malnourished, your wounds take longer to heal. Man, that hurts just thinking about it. What was a bruise now becomes an internal bruise. What was a scrape now becomes something that requires surgery. The things that used to hurt now kind of knock you down. That's what happens when we're not nourished. Last but not least, we're incapable of performing normal tasks. What we used to be able to do, we can no longer do now. I want to close with this story about a man named Skip. Skip is a, is a guy that was 20 years older than me that I met back when I was living in the Midwest. We had some guys from our church that we would actually discover the needs of guys in our age bracket by playing basketball. 
and we'd go out and play ball a couple times a week and we'd meet these guys and then through friendship we'd begin to discover their needs and we'd bring Gatorades and pizzas and hang out and establish friendships and then eventually we'd be, the layers would come off and we'd be able to communicate to them and hear what's going on in their world. And we saw a lot of those guys give their lives to Christ. And this one guy named Skip, who's quite a bit older than me, he came and, and I prayed for him. And he said, you know, I'll come to church, but I got too much going on in my life. I've done too many wrong things. I can't, I'll never be able to make it to church. And then one night in the middle of the night, I got a phone call and it was Skip and he was crying on the line. He says, hey, come visit me at the hospital. He didn't tell me where, but I got into the hospital, found his name, got there, and he was in the detox tank. And he's crying, he says to me, I've lost my marriage. I've lost my business. I've lost my house. I've lost my daughter who won't communicate with me. I have nothing, I've lost it all. And in that moment, I saw that his need was not something that I could meet, but only a need that my heavenly father could meet. And so what happened was, I talked to him about a father that had a son just like him. But when his son opened his heart, the father ran to him, Luke 15. And as I told him that story, he said, there's no way that God would accept me. I said, no, that's not true, Skip. Not only will God accept you, but he runs to accept you. He pursues you to accept you and to forgive you and to cause you to come into his family. Skip breaks down in tears, balls his eyes out, says a prayer, gives his life to Jesus. Weeks later, he was water baptized, living for God. It's not hard. It's easy. The greatest sense of fulfillment you will ever have is getting out there and meeting the needs of broken people. Let's stand on our feet.